This is Lissa Pianowski welcoming you to the Learning Architects Unite podcast. This is episode two, the first 20 days of 2020. In this episode, I will focus on things we should consider when opening school in these unprecedented times. Specifically, we will explore what the first 20 days should look like in order to accelerate learning forward. Thanks for joining me. It is hard to believe that we are ramping up for a new school year already. It seems as though we were just recovering from quarter four of last school year. Some of you have been working all summer to figure out how to reopen schools. In my last episode, I shared options for face-to-face, remote, and virtual learning, and discussed the need to be nimble enough to possibly use multiple learning formats in just one year, depending on the need. We discussed brick-to-click, starting at school and moving to online remote learning. We discussed click-to-brick, starting online and moving back to school face-to-face, or click-by-choice, which was where students actually chose virtual either for the year or for a semester. Now, although that was only a couple weeks ago, the COVID-19 numbers continue to shift. Many districts across the nation are now opting for a digital start where students will begin the school year online. CNN has published an article tracking these decisions that I have linked on my website. While there is no substitute for face-to-face teaching, many districts are struggling with safety protocols that work for students and staff within communities where numbers of cases are spiking. The constraints of simple square footage in a school building for social distancing is an issue along with the even more complicated feelings on wearing masks to school. Are they expected or are they required? I am always optimistic but this is a no-win proposition here. I have to be honest, as I have coached district and school leaders during their planning, I have shared that we just simply have to make the call on behalf of our students. There's no way to make everyone happy. It is a very tough position to be in, there is no doubt. Even the CDC continues to change their stance on reopening schools. I saw a great meme this week of an educator standing in a bus lane with hands on her knees like she was in a fast pitch softball game ready for the next batter up. The caption read, educators checking their email to see what changed from four minutes ago. (laughs) I laughed out loud. It was so true. You can make yourself crazy reading guidance from different entities, federal, state, and local. This is what I do know to be true. Focus on what you can control and always make a call that puts students first. You will have made the right decision every time. So how do we recover from this? How do we reopen either face-to-face or remote with a learner-centered approach that helps to bridge the gaps and helps us return to some sense of the new normal? The first 20 days of 2020 need to look different than in years past. We know that getting to know our students at the beginning of each year is important. However, this year goes beyond simple icebreakers and get to know you activities to truly building relationships and a community of learners. We know that relationships are the foundation for all that we do. 
We have not seen some of our children since March, certainly not face-to-face, but some not even virtually. Once school closed, some of our kiddos simply fell off the radar. Our students are coming back to us uncertain about this new reality and needing to reconnect to a school community that provides them stability and a place to call home. Some of our students have experienced life-changing events while away from us. One student in my own community lost both of his parents to COVID-19 within one week. He's an only child, 17 years old, about to start his senior year. Making sure that all our students are reconnected to school and are healthy and well is our first week priority. I would go so far as to say absolutely no testing should take place and no new content should be shared in the first five days of school. Now, this seems strange since we lost so much instructional time, but we have to put the relational needs of our students first, and then we will be able to accelerate the academics. One of my best mentors used to say to me, go slow to go fast. I wanted to jump right into every task and just fix it or do it quickly so we could move on to the next big thing. But I learned from her that sometimes investing that time in laying the groundwork or rallying the troops help to make everything else fall into place. The time you take to connect with students and help them build a community is critical, especially if you are starting virtually. Students miss the social aspect of school. So week one, the first five days, relationships rule the day. Now in week two, we need to focus on routines and procedures. Good old Dr. Harry Wong in his book, The First Days of School, How to Be an Effective Teacher, suggested a three-step process for teaching classroom procedures to students. Number one, explain classroom procedures clearly. Number two, rehearse classroom procedures until they become routine. And number three, reinforce a correct procedure and reteach an incorrect one. Now, I might be dating myself. This book was published in 1997, but his process is still spot on. However, the routines and procedures we are teaching are different today. Now, instead of teaching about the care of textbooks, we are teaching about the care of Chromebooks. We used to teach kids to turn in their work to a certain place in our room, the corner of the teacher's desk or the second period bin. But now we are teaching kids how to upload their work online and submit assignments digitally. Rather than teaching about learning centers, lab safety, or classroom procedures, we are teaching digital apps, how to access, access digital content, how to participate in online discussions. Every single procedure and routine that we expect of students must be clearly communicated and modeled, even the new ones. When we left school on or around March 13th, many of the procedures for remote learning were not clear and we were quite honestly building the plane as we were flying it. Now we know better and we have put processes in place that make sense. We now need to let our students and parents in on the new way we do business. Communicating expectations for learning or the rules of engagement, if you will, need to be shared with both students and parents. 
Creating classroom norms will also be critical. Some teachers during spring 2020 found it to be helpful to communicate norms at the beginning of their Zoom team meetings or Google Hangouts. Norms such as find a quiet place free from distractions, show up on time and be prepared, maintain respect in speaking, writing, and appearance, stay on mute and raise your hand when you want to contribute, your video needs to remain on so you can stay focused. Use the chat to pose relevant comments and questions. Refrain from eating, drinking, and even gum chewing while in class. Norms such as these help to keep the expectations for engagement front and center and allows for positive reinforcement as well as corrections when needed. Many teachers have created great online norms for your reference. You might want to Google some and check them out. And I would say that for someone who does virtual professional development for adults, these norms are just as important. Since we are uncertain about how long we will be face-to-face -face or virtual, these expectations are critical to operating smoothly. Whether you are brick-to-click, click-to-brick, or click-by-choice, I recognize that there are still so many unknowns and things are continuing to change daily. However, communicate what you can control. Classroom norms, routines, and procedures. As I shared in the past, we have digital natives that have never been asked to learn digitally. This is all new to them as well. We are reimagining learning together. Now week three offers an opportunity to begin assessment. And there is a great deal of angst over the COVID slide and it is understandable. However, I would encourage us to be smart about assessing and not do too much testing. There is a difference. Giving students end-of-the-year benchmarks that are lengthy and address standards for an entire course may not be the best option, nor would giving a pre-assessment on new content quite yet. What we want to do is assess formatively to see where there are learning gaps from last year. Now, this is what I would suggest. Look at quarter four focus and priority standards first. What were the most essential learning standards for last year and during spring semester? Create an authentic assessment that requires students to not just recall knowledge, but that asks students to show what they know and how to apply their knowledge in a current situation. Now, this can be done through a task or a problem to solve. These types of assessments provide so much insight into not only what a student knows in terms of content, but their work ethic, how they persevere in tasks, and even their attention to detail. Not to mention, authentic assessments do not have to feel like a test to a student. Quite honestly, Posing a problem to solve through one task or multiple tasks may seem more like an engaging learning experience and not an assessment at all. And it gives us so much more information, as I said before, and it quite, it's quite honestly, it's more engaging and fun for students. You can even integrate some prerequisite skills for this year's course as well. Now, there are also several diagnostic assessments that may be helpful at this point, especially for the younger grades. These are often tied to adaptive programs that help students fill in those skill gaps that we've identified. Getting a clear picture of where our students are at the beginning of the year has always been important for moving forward with new content, but this year it is a puzzle piece we can't lose, meaning that we can't have all the other pieces in place and miss out on the opportunity to personalize learning for students. 
Personalization is always informed by standards-based data. Our students will need a leg up this year more than ever. So the data that we collect through authentic assessments will be critical to completing our puzzle. And finally, week four is full on new content. Now there may need to be um, con continued interventions for some students, but this is where you've laid a strong foundation and can move full steam ahead. Now you may be thinking, Lissa, we are wasting time by not getting into our new coursework until week four. But I would argue we're actually investing time in the right place so that we'll have a big payoff later. I recognize that those of you on a block schedule will need to make some adjustments for time, but just remember these are guidelines and we want to still go slow to go fast. We are unlearning to relearn new ways of school. Now unlearning, I just love this concept. It is, it's having the capacity to use your knowledge and skills to challenge some beliefs and learnings that you had obtained before. Unlearning, what a great concept. There are typically three phases of unlearning as cited in the article by Macharia that I also linked on my website. The first one is resistance, and I'm sure you don't know anyone that has been resistant <laughs> lately. But this is where we tend to resist change and yearn for the way we used to do it. Certainly you have heard colleagues or had even had the thought yourself that you wish everything was back to normal. But was the normal as good as it could have been? Were there things that we wanted to change before? I, you know, I think that we should not rush to a normal and truly start to rethink uh, the way that we want to do school. This is a real opportunity and something good has to come of this. The second phase is changing attitude. In this phase, you start to accept that things are different and change your mindset about the current situation. Now, I will say that this one is tough. My heart hurts for educators, students, and their families. Our current situation is frightening and no one ever imagined that teachers would be considered frontline workers. Please take the precautions you need to and be smart. I have seen amazing optimism from teachers as they are readying to open their doors. Teams of teachers with masks on, excited about a new school year, tweeting out their, their new classroom or their uh, Bitmoji classroom virtually. Your attitude is everything. So while this is a really difficult situation for all of us, the way that we really think about our attitude truly can make or break us in this situation. Lastly, the third phase is about embracing the new learning. So we, we are all learning. I can't, I can't tell you what I've learned in the last several months. This is where you take control of your situation through fully engaging in our new normal with a desire to come out better on the other side. Be thoughtful about what you want to learn and how you yourself want to improve in spite of a global pandemic. 
There has to be good that comes from this horrific situation that has rocked our world in ways that we may not realize for years to come. It is my sincere hope that we continue to unlearn, to relearn new ways of doing school. We have done school the same way for decades. Let's take this opportunity to reimagine learning. One of my favorite sayings is growth begins where comfort ends. We have all been uncomfortable over the last several months. And I would venture to say that we will be uncomfortable for the next several as well. But let's not seek comfort in the way that we've always done it. Let's find comfort in the way we want to come out better on the other side. Have a great school year. I hope that you have a wonderful start. Love on your children, love your colleagues, and most importantly, love yourself. I look forward to seeing you on the other side.